Defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digizua, Watkins, they're, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker who does those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Welcome back, everybody. It is season three, technically, I believe, of IDP Heat Seekers, the IDP show brought to you by rotoheat.com. Some familiar faces from last year if you joined us. So thanks for joining us again. I am Craig Reith, as you can see at Rotoheat Craig, and joined with me as of last year as well. We have Austin. How are you doing tonight, Austin? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be back. Glad to start this new season of IDP and definitely excited about tonight's show. It's going to be a great time talking about all the 2022 rookies and just redrafting those. So I'm excited for that. How about yourself, Craig? Yeah, I'm excited to be on actually talking about football again. It's much nicer to actually talk about football compared to writing online back and forth with people or trying to do a text and all that when people are free. Carving out a little bit of time, an hour or so each week to go over IDP stuff with you is going to be fantastic. And I know everyone is so excited about rookies this time of the year. The combine is coming up the underwear olympics as they call it but we're not going to be talking about those rookies tonight as you mentioned we're looking back at 2022 before we get into the rookies this year we are going to just be doing some sells some buys some free agency news we'll get to the rookies don't worry if you're watching wondering where are those 2023 rookies that you're caring so much about we'll get to it don't worry a bit so tonight as austin said 2022 idp rookie redraft i'm going to bring it up here but what we did was we went back and did a base league just to do IDP guys, like two rounds, 12 teams. Where would we have these people lined if we're doing an IDP rookie draft of only the people from the prior year? So we're going to look at the draft and we're just going to walk through and talk about what we were thinking and where we all went with that and actually do this on sleeper, mind you, but for ease of looking at with all the pretty colors and the names, so you know what's on there, you can see what we did. And Austin, I'm going to go to you first. Someone you did actually draft because we alternated here, but Devin Lloyd, linebacker for the Jaguars. He was a first round pick last year. What did you see about him this year that either had him move up to this spot or cemented him as that first IDP from last year? Yeah, I think Devin Lloyd played well his first season. Obviously, more opportunity will come for him, I think, in his second year, which I think was encouraging. Last year, he was pretty much the consensus 101 of IDP, if you will. But I thought he did a really great job this year. He created some turnovers and he made some key plays, pretty efficient tackler, um, decent pass rusher. But for the most part, overall, he did a good job of defending. Again, run defense and tackles and all those things I thought looked really good for him this year. It was really encouraging. I think going into his second year, you could see a tick up in a lot of those stats, which will be great. But he definitely got a good start in his first year so i had to take him 101 he was the best linebacker i thought in this class or one of the best and i still think he has the potential to go up and elevate his game even more than he did in his first year so taking him here compared to some names that we had maybe slightly higher up or at least a couple people did last year like the defensive ends we're going to be talking about coming up here is this a situation where you think he's going to maintain this and end up being that main linebacker for the jaguars 
and you're not worried about any of the current people that they have there or the rookie they took behind them that they got some good playing time. Yeah. I mean, I we're going to get to the, you know some of the other guys who are behind him, Chad Mimma being one, and we'll talk about him a little bit more in detail. Obviously, Foyer, he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He's just a tackling machine. So eventually, though, I think Foyer is going to move on, and I do think that Devin Lloyd will step into the linebacker one role for the Jaguars. I still think he has that high-end potential. I still think that he's got all the things that you want from a linebacker. So for me, conversely, you have players like, and we'll talk about these guys later too, but Jack Sanborn, who opportunity, I think, preceded talent. And maybe I could be wrong on that, but for me, Devin Lloyd was still the elite linebacker who has the talent that you need. All he just needs is opportunity. And I think if he gets that, he's just going to continue to go upward. And is this a positional thing? Do you think that you generally, in a balanced format, consider linebackers over other positions? Yes, great point. So linebacker typically is one of those positions that I feel more confident in taking. Usually it's a quicker path. It's the shortest putt to production, if you will. The tackles, especially in tackle-heavy leagues, it's really hard to hit like a linebacker against a defensive end, especially the young defensive ends. Eventually, do I think that the guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson and some of those guys will be big producers? Yes, absolutely, I do. I think they showed that in their first year. I think they're going to continue to go forward with their productions as well. But for linebackers, I just think, especially in tackle-heavy leagues and for most IDP formats, those generally speaking, like your more attractive positions that you want to draft and roster on your team. That makes sense. And sorry, people, you saw that isn't your life flashing before your eyes. We just changed up the color scheme there and scream. I feel like screaming after seeing that, but the color scheme <laughs> in front of you there. As we move on to talk about my first pick here, Aiden Hutchinson, the guy that ended up going number two overall in the draft. He showed a lot this past year. He had 52 combined tackles, nine and a half sacks, nine tackles for a loss. And he had a really good amount of playing time, to be quite honest, when you're looking at what he did there. And for a young team that went through some growing pains, certainly with an offense that ended up being much more high powered than people thought, he performed really well. And I was, I felt he should have been the first overall pick last year. We'll get to the guy that went one later on. And I thought he lived up to that with the production that he had here in Detroit. He's going to be a guy that, to me, I value a lot when I'm doing an IDP draft now because I like to try to get a stud defensive end when I'm able to. The way the NFL is changing these days, there's a lot more linebackers that are getting that 60 to maybe 80% snap share as opposed to those guys that were in that 85 to 100% in years past because of the length of the season, the amount of injuries, all that sort of stuff. So I, I feel then maybe I'm wrong, but I can get that IDP linebacker production later on. And if I can get a stud defensive end, there's just fewer of those. So I went Hutchinson one here overall. I didn't hear any complaining from you when he went to two. How do you feel about Hutchinson compared to maybe the other edge guys in the draft? Yeah, I, I definitely think that he did play the best. I thought that Kevin Thibodeau came on pretty strong there at the end, of course, but for a body of work for the first season, I definitely think that Agent Aiden Hutchinson was the guy who was one of the most productive and showed the most promise for sure. I thought he played really well his first year. Definitely made sense that you took him second for sure. And so for you, what what was the biggest factor of like why you took uh, Aiden Hutchinson over the likes of 
Kayvon Thibodeau or even some of the others in the draft. We got Trevon Walker, which he's classified as a linebacker. To me, he's obviously played more off the edge. But what was your reasoning for going with an Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson? I really like what that defense is doing. And you could say that, quite frankly, of the Giants too. And it felt like a coin flip to me. If I could get Hutchinson or Kayvon starting up a IDP draft at this point, I would be really happy because Kayvon was the guy that I liked better going into the draft. I kind of like the situation that Hutchinson fell into. And Kayvon showed out as that outside linebacker that could go down and put his hand in the dirt too. But Hutchinson mainly just being down there doing what he did in college this last year in there in Michigan, and then he showed it the same thing at the NFL. But there really isn't that big of a difference in my rankings. I think they're actually right next to each other. If we're talking about dynasty guys, because they both have that sky-high potential. I just wanted the guy that showed more last year, even though Kayvon certainly came on towards the end of the year. Makes sense to me. Absolutely. Next guy, we have a surprise, if you would have gone back and looked at our rankings and all that going into this past season. Next guy up that we have here is Jalen Petrie, defensive back. He's a safety for the Houston Texans. I know you were all about him during this past season, current offseason. You're way high up on him. He ended up being the number one here after being the 37th overall pick. So still high in the NFL draft, but I think he was a third or fourth safety. How are you feeling about him here, the Texan? Yeah, I thought he played exceptionally well. He, he missed a little bit of time, I believe this year with some injuries but I thought in the games that he played he played incredible he produced 107 tackles at the safety position which is great he did produce one he and he was great in coverage I thought anytime that they put he was playing in coverage so he's definitely by a pretty wide margin the most promising safety in this class the numbers that he put up were weekly when he was playing were consistently like top safety numbers he was definitely a big contributor for all of my fantasy teams that I had him on, and I'm sure everybody felt that if they had them on their rosters. Jalen Petrie played out of his mind this year, I thought, and I was super excited to see him come through and deliver on all the hype that he got going into the last offseason to just be able to do that in the in season, I thought was just really impressive. A good things ahead for Jalen Petrie. He's on a defense where he seems to have his job locked up, no no concerns about losing any kind of snaps or being challenged by anybody currently. We'll see what changes after the draft. But I, I, for me, Jalen Petrie was the real deal. I see nobody taking snaps or, or opportunities from him, and he should continue to be a big producer in your IDP leagues. The only concern I have about him, and it's been well documented online, of course, is that missed tackle rate. Yep. The counter to that, I suppose, is he was a rookie on a bad team, which makes sense. I think that can also hurt if you're looking at the long-term view, maybe his ceiling. I wouldn't be surprised if this is at or near his tackle ceiling throughout his career. Now, that can be offset by other things, pass deflections, interceptions, sacks, stuff like that. But that defense last year for Houston was just so bad. I think Petrie was like number one in solo tackles. And then the other safety, Jonathan Owens, was number two. They just let everything through on that defense, Yeah, especially with D'Amico Ryan's there. You got to think they're going to fix that and get some quality linebackers in there to eat up some of those tackles because they you can't survive in the NFL with your two safeties, two leading tacklers. Yeah. No, that's definitely a fair point. I just don't know how much, I don't know how quickly the Texans can get good enough to where they don't have to rely on Petrie to do that. I still think going into year two, 
he should be relied on pretty heavily on that defense and he should be able to produce as a result of that. All right. We're going to move along to number four overall pick here. We had the aforementioned Kayvon Thibodeau and he's an outside linebacker edge defensive end sometimes for the New York Giants. He is a guy that started off slow, but definitely over the last six weeks of the season or so, he ended up showing what he could do. Some of those games, I forget who it was. It might have been even against Dallas, where he just ended up, or was it Washington? Either way, it was a divisional game where he just blew up the defense, excuse me, the offensive tackles, and he was just running around guys, chasing running backs down. He was showing why he was that athletic freak in college that a lot of people had projected to be the first pick of that draft overall. Of course, he didn't end up going there, but he ended up pretty close. He was fifth overall to the Giants, and for good reason. Athletically, he's everything that you want him to be. He's in a good position, really. That team completely overachieved pretty much everyone's expectations, and that defense was a huge part of it. Brian Dable and that front office did a great job turning it around, and he's going to be a monster for a long time to come here. Is there a whole lot separating him and Hutchinson for you? I don't think so. His missed tackle percent was like around 7%. He had 45 tackles in the game that you're talking about. It was Dallas. He got after him. He had nine tackles in that game. He had five quarterback hits and four hurries. So he was getting to the quarterback and he was being disruptive. And I definitely think that he had an injury as well this year that kind of slowed him down a little bit on a crazy play. And hopefully they'll take that out of the game or address it. But And he could stay healthy next year. But I think with a full healthy year, he definitely looks like a guy who's going to be a problem for these offenses for sure. We uh, uh, talked about him for a little bit. And you have to excuse me, folks. I'm getting over cold that my kid passed along to me. So if you hear me cut myself off in the middle of talking, I'm probably muting myself. And Austin, I'm sure we'll pick it up and have something much more eloquent to say anyway. But moving along here, your next pick, another linebacker. So a little bit of an anomaly, maybe. We only have two really true linebackers so far through this pick here. Quay Walker, a guy that Packers took in the first rounder. Yeah, yeah. So Quay Walker uh, was a guy. One of the things that, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, I thought you were like cutting out a little bit there and passing it over to me. So yeah, Quay Walker, we picked right here. Green Bay, first round. I know last year you weren't really sure how it would go with... I think you mentioned that Devondre Campbell was that linebacker one and Green Bay historically had only really played in one linebacker set or just had the middle linebacker. And Walker, I think, is a game changer for the Green Bay Packers. He changed the way they play defense and he made a spot for himself. The thing that I would say about him that he needs to clean up in his game, and I think everybody saw at times, was just he's going to have to keep his head in the game for sure. He can't make boneheaded plays that cost his team games or possessions and things like that. If he can get that part together, I think he's a really great player. He showed a lot of promise, flew around the field, made a lot of great plays, and he really looked like he could be the real deal as well. So I think him being linebacker two in this class, I I thought made a lot of sense. Yeah, I really debated how high he should go. Part of the calculation for me was the fact that they have Devondre Campbell there and he's going to be there for a few more years. Now, certainly a lot can change over a couple of years in the NFL. We all know that. But the biggest part that I think you mentioned there is about having his head in the game. He is a guy that, right or wrong, probably going into the next season, has a little bit of a bullseye from the refs on him because of some of the stuff that he pulled this past year. And he's a young man in the NFL. 
can't imagine the situation that he's in, but that's something he's going to have to deal with, that reputation, good, bad, or indifferent, and which way he goes with that is going to matter because, as we've said many times, and we're not the first ones to say it, but availability is the best ability. If you're not on the field, you can't get his fantasy points, and he can't help but his team. So I really do like him, too. I think this is right about where he should go, and if you're talking about upside, he's still we're still in that range of guys that I think have that number one IDP from this class upside with what he showed on the field. If he gets more playing time, more polish, he's still a crazy athletic guy that they have there. He's probably the most athletic in their linebacking group. And uh, what he showed at Georgia, he showed flashes of at the NFL level. So hopefully he continues to improve and can keep his head in the game. All right. Next pick here, number six overall. And we're going to have to defend this one because he's currently my Number one safety, if we're going through redrafting this, it was close between these two guys, Jaquan Brisker of the Chicago Bears. He was a guy that a lot of people had up near the top of the class. I didn't see a whole lot of him being the number one overall. He ended up playing really well for the Bears. I know Rick is probably excited to have him on the Chicago Bears for probably a long period of time here. He got banged up, missed a couple of games, but if you're looking at his tackle numbers, the guy was just a monster. He had 104 Combined tackles, 73. No, it's not Jalen Petrie numbers. But uh, for a guy on a team that not a whole lot of was expected of him, this is really a building block for the Chicago Bears to move forward. And like we talked about with Petrie, it wasn't to the same level. The Bears don't have their linebacking core really figured out either. We think they might have someone that we'll talk about later on, but there's going to be those guys getting through. And Brisker's the kind of safety that they need in Chicago. Playing in that cold weather, they can go up there and lay a smack on someone. He's not afraid to tackle. He's a solid tackler. He didn't have that huge in this tackle. He's another guy that I think long-term safety, when you look back at this class, is going to be right up there. How do you feel about Brisket, and where do you have him in your safety rankings for the I definitely think this is the right spot for Brisker, for sure. I think he, he showed that he could do it all. You saw him, his alignment, it was all over the place. He played a lot in the box. He played 371 snaps in the box, which is what you want from your safeties and usually in IDP leagues. That's something that I personally look for as a guy who can play down in the box and is not afraid to come up and make tackles. He played 289 snaps at free safety and he played 100 in the slot. So they're not afraid to stick him out or put him into coverage. He played 43 at corner. So he's all over the field for the, for the Bears. And, and you look at the numbers and what he was able to do with those snaps, I mean, he, by a large margin, like he, he played well, he produced well, his grades were great coverage. He was good. He started off a little bit rough with his tackling and we talked about his tackle percent ended up at 14.7% of missed tackles. He graded out pretty well everywhere else, De run defending, just defense in general, pass rush. Even he's, he's really got some pretty good grades on him. I thought he played really well just watching him play. He flew around the field and made plays, and he definitely looked like a guy who's going to stick around the league for a long time and is definitely a good player for the Bears, for sure. I don't like to do player comps when we are leading up to the draft because, by and large, the college play is different than NFL play, and everyone's different. You can draw similarities, but there's always going to be differences. But just his physicality reminded me of a guy from IDP years ago and a couple good seasons and then just got hurt and couldn't stay healthy. But Bob Sanders was another guy that was just a machine and safety that was just physical, but it could also just do it all. And that style of play is what reminded me Brisker. So super excited about him. Absolutely. 
Next guy that we have here, we're moving on to you. We're about halfway through the first round. First overall pick in the draft, a controversial pick at the time, and possibly still a little bit, although he did certainly shut some people up this season with how he played. Trayvon Walker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, he was your pick, Austin, here at seven. How are you feeling about him going forward? Year one, I thought he played pretty well. He was able to get five sacks, but he was able to generate pressure. I mean, he had 30 hurries. He was able to create pressure on 43 plays. He had ended up with only 33 tackles. So it's definitely something that I think that going into year two, you definitely want to hope that Trevon Walker is able to get those numbers up and definitely produce more tackles or more sacks, one or the other, right? Like he's got to be either a sack machine or he's got to produce more tackles to be productive enough to really earn his spot on this list and his ranking. Definitely want to see some increases in those areas, but I think Overall, he did a pretty good job of being productive and staying fantasy relevant for the most part for the year. He's definitely still shown enough potential that I think he deserves his spot where he's ranked currently. Yeah, and one of the interesting things about him was the fact that he was being asked to do something with the Jaguars that he really didn't do much of at Georgia. Georgia, he even played inside more than he did as as a stand-up guy, and there were a lot of questions. I was one of them that had them. And long-term, I'm really interested to see what happens in Jacksonville, too. But he showed that he's a guy that's going to be able to stand up there and not just be a nobody. They're going to have to pay attention to him. The young man certainly has all the potential in the world, and I think as he gets used to it, he's going to grow into the position. Worried about what they're going to do across from him. Josh Allen just hasn't shown from that rookie year to be that guy. He certainly increased his tackle rate, which is great. But big plays, those pressures, hurries, sacks, it just wasn't the same. Maybe it'll turn out again this year. I believe he's going into his contract year this year. So how that plays out across from him is going to be interesting. But I think Walker's going to be one of those guys that kind of needs someone across from him to reach that full potential so he's not just being focused on. But certainly worth the first-round pick here in our draft. Um, Interestingly enough, that said, I would have taken our next guy over him. I would have him swapped here. And I know you're a Chiefs fan. So you certainly have some thoughts here. I'm going to throw it to you and then I'll put my two cents in because I drafted him. But George Karloftis, a furious George, as they call him, certainly even at the end of the season, he came on even more. But from a fantasy football and even a chief perspective, how do you feel about having George? I definitely like the player. I definitely like the talent. And I think that it's one of those deals that he could make a big jump in year two for sure. And so if you're drafting for, if you're redrafting, knowing what you know now, I think you got good value on Karlaftis. I think that he could elevate his game in year two and even into year three. I think he got a lot of, of help from a lot of really experienced guys on that defensive line. Kansas City has some older aging guys that were able to help him out for sure and coach him up and bring him along. And you saw that as the year goes went on, right? Like he started to get more in the rotation and he started making more plays. But I definitely am encouraged by what I've seen for him. He finished out those last five or six games really strong and played really well. And again, eight sacks on the year is, is for a rookie, is phenomenal. And he just needs to continue to get to the quarterback. The tackles, they'll come the more snaps that he gets. Only he didn't get a whole lot of snaps on the season. But the more that he gets, the more opportunity he gets, I think the more that he's going to be able to produce. So he could be somebody who definitely sees his fantasy numbers just go way, way up. Yeah, to your point, through the first 10 games of the season, he had half a sack and one tackle for a loss. 
And then over the rest of the season, I think he had five and a half sacks and seven tackles for a loss. I think over those last seven games, he had a tackle for a loss every game. And I think that's part of what excites me about him is the fact that he was able to sit back and learn from these old pros that they have on that defensive line. They had a lot of guys, I think Dunlap went there, right? Yep, Dunlap. They had Frank Clark. Chris Jones, of course, is just, he overtook, I think it was Aaron Donald, they said, as like PFF's highest rated defensive tackle, just defensive lineman on the year. That's just a great group of people to learn from. And then once he got caught up to speed and they started getting him some playing time, he's just such a big, powerful guy that he's able to do a lot of what he wants. And then when he's learning from those old pros about some of the finer parts of it on a team that's by and large going to be playing from ahead quite frankly, as long as Patrick Mahomes is there, that's a great position for an edge guy to be in because he's going to be able to have those opportunities to get even QB hits in some leagues count for points, QB hits, sacks, tackles for a loss, all those big things. I just, the end of the season, to your point, was awesome, and I loved what I saw out of him. Absolutely. Next guy, I should probably just give you 10 minutes, walk away and get a drink or something here, but maybe your favorite guy from the draft here. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez for the Lions. So just take it away because I know you got plenty of thoughts of what, what made you take him here at number nine overall. Obviously, you guys know last year, if you've watched any of our shows, you knew the one player that before the draft, before all of that stuff, I said Malcolm Rodriguez could be a guy who goes under the radar and ends up being really productive. He was an All-American at Oklahoma State. And I got to watch him there and I saw his combine performance and I thought, man, this dude is, he works hard, right? And he did. And in Detroit, he got drafted to the perfect situation, right? And I think the thing with him is that he, no one was really in his way. I never really was a big believer in Anzalone and Malcolm Rodriguez just outworked everybody and he got to see the field and he got opportunities and Dan Campbell said, hey, you know what, Ricky, go do your thing. And he did. For the most part, he started to fade off a little bit at the year, end of the year, which was a little bit concerning. But man, through those first like 10 games, this guy was just phenomenal with his play. And you look at the grades he's got. I mean, his tackling was great. He's only got a 10% missed tackle percent. He produced 58 tackles. He did get one sack. So he did a lot of things really well. He, he was able to play in different spots in the defense. He had 20 snaps on the defensive line. Most of those came from the box, though. Obviously, he was stuck in the slot, 22 snaps. So he's able to move around a little bit. The only concern that I had, and I said it last year, is he does lack the size, they say. I'm not as concerned about that as I'm not as concerned about that as I am the fact that the Detroit Lions could still very well draft a guy. Some of these names we see on this list, a Quay Walker or a Devin Lloyd or somebody like that. I don't know if Malcolm Rodriguez could hold them off and continue this kind of production. So I'm a little hesitant to just go all in on him, but I think this is an appropriate ranking for him, right? Like his first year he produced, when you look at some of the other guys on this list, maybe there's some others who could jump him in year two, but I think heading into year two, I have really no reason yet at this point when we did this draft to believe that he's going to fall off like by a large margin. I think that where he's at for what he did is appropriate. I think it's deserving. And I'm pretty excited that he was able to do what I thought he would be able to do. So that's super cool. 
Yeah, even when he wasn't getting that huge snap share, he didn't for basically the whole season. I mean, there was one game, I think, where he touched the 80s, the rest of it. Even at the start of the season, he was in the 60s and 70s because it towards the end of the season, whether it was hitting the rookie wall, trying different stuff. He missed a game due to injury. can be all sorts of different things, but he, he tailed off. He was still getting you tackles, though, and that's the one thing. Know your league. We say that every year. If you're in a tackle-heavy league, I mean, he's like an ideal mid-round guy now. I don't know how late round you're going to get him because of what he showed last year, but certainly a mid-round guy, he's going to get you tackles. The only thing I'm curious about to see is he, is he going to be able to expand on that very much to make some of those other big plays i think he can because to your point he's a hard work effort guy and i those guys in the end who he's been up and down he's been in out of lineups there's a fill-in guy throughout his career with the bears and then he went to the raiders and i don't think he did a whole lot there but whenever he was out there, he was just a smaller guy, but he had all the effort in the world, put himself in a good position, and he'd get your fantasy points when he started. I think Rodriguez is the same way. I just want to know how those lines are going to end up using their linebackers because it feels like Dan Campbell is just going to keep shuffling them around until he finds something that he really likes. Will it be Rodriguez? I think we're going to find out this next year because I do think he will get that opportunity. But if he doesn't hit this year, I'm going to be a little bit more less excited about him going into 2024 because he should get that opportunity here yeah that's all that is completely fair for sure that's always really uh-huh. been my thing go ahead nope you're good that's all i was gonna say next one is a linebacker that went a little bit earlier in the draft here he didn't play a whole lot until he got an opportunity later about five six weeks in and then he got some more playing time as the season went on at the end of the year we talked about Troy Anderson a lot in last year's draft because he was just athletically like off the charts almost as far as linebackers in the NFL, but he was raw. He's a guy that didn't play against huge competition at Montana State. He went to a good situation, though, with the Falcons. Deion Jones got let go. Foy Lucan left. So it was like Mikel Walker, Anderson, Evans. They didn't know what was going to happen. It really ended up being the Rashawn Evans show for the most part. Walker was involved there, and then when Anderson showed up, he showed well for himself, though, which is why I have him here. And this feels about right. He didn't have that same level of production as Rodriguez did, but I don't think you'd expect to. There's that opposite ends of the spectrum when you're talking about like college careers and like the competition that they played against. I'd expect a Malcolm Rodriguez with playing time to do better than Anderson. But long term, I found enough out of Anderson that I think he's going to be given a shot there in the Falcons, whether it's this season or next. And that's a team, to me, is going to be in a rebuilding situation here. They got a lot of stuff to figure out, especially on that defense, which can lead to those fantasy points for us. I know out of the two, you like Rodriguez more, and that makes sense because you took him over Anderson. But how do you feel about Anderson in the next two to three years there with the Falcons? So it, they're pretty similar. So it's kind of funny that they're just they're ranked like right there. And I thought last year, Troy Anderson was a guy that you had zeroed in on as hey, here's a guy that I like and didn't get the, quite the opportunity that we had all hoped that he would. But I definitely think that if he does get an opportunity in year two, I will be zeroing in on him as well and watching him very closely because I think, again, it, he there's been some departures on the defense. Last year, there were a lot of injuries. And so if he's just able to get the opportunity. I think he showed that he could produce. I think he, he graded exceptionally well in tackles. I think there's some things that he's going to need to work on. Obviously, coverage and things like that. But as long as 
but they're just asking him to purely be a tackle machine. I, I think he's going to produce well. So we'll see how he fits in that defense and what kind of opportunity he gets in year two. He's certainly got the potential to produce more than he did in his first year, obviously. But yeah, I only put Malcolm ahead of him because at this, we're drafting point in time, right? So point in time, yeah. I think Malcolm's probably a little bit ahead, but who knows? Troy Anderson could definitely make that jump in year two. One of the big names up here next, Kyle Hamilton, that everyone was in love with, it felt, going into the NFL draft, went to a decent situation and then just didn't do. And what really anyone thought he would, he came on towards the end of the year. They used him as a Swiss Army knife all over the field for the Ravens. And there's a lot of talk of, will Chuck Clark be back or not? What are they doing there with their uh, safeties? They got Marcus Williams, I have to imagine, with the contract they gave him as one. Is they going to use Hamilton all over the field? Is he going to be stuck as a safety? It's a lot lower than he would have gone if he would have done this a year ago. So how are you feeling about him at this point in time? So when you look at how he played when he was on the field, how he graded, he was like very good in coverage against the run, pass rush, tackle. And they used him all over the field, right? Like he played a little bit of, yep. in the box, free safety, a lot in the slot. And they had him, he got 354 snaps from the slot. So they trust him in coverage, which I think is a great thing. The tackles and all those things will come the more that you're on the field. But the fact that the Ravens were able to trust him as much as they did in coverage and the fact that he was able to deliver on that, I thought was just really impressive. This was a really tough situation for Kyle Hamilton to go into being drafted to the Ravens who, you know, by and large part have a very good secondary already. And the NFL's a business and things can change in short order. And so I think that Kyle Hamilton's future is still very bright when you look at the numbers and you look at what he was able to do. I definitely think he's somebody who could make a climb in these ranks very quickly in the next one to two seasons. So definitely a guy that we should keep high on our lists and for good reason. Yeah, the talent has never been a question for him. It's that opportunity and situation, like you mentioned. And the only thing that really has me a little bit more sour on him, even than if you would have taken the Ravens a year ago and then left that team intact at this point in time, is they added a complete stud at the NFL right in front of that safety group in Roquan Smith. And that guy is going to eat up tackles. You know, he, he basically did the same thing. If you split his season in half from the Bears to the Ravens, the production was almost exactly the same. There was no drop-off at all for a guy just being thrown into a different system. So that does have a little bit of concern for me. I like it a lot better if they do just stick with two safeties, if Chuck Clark gets traded or if he gets cut. Love Chuck Clark from a real-life perspective and fantasy in prior years he's had use. But if you're talking about what we would like for Kyle Hamilton in the future is, hey, have him in that role, but also move all over the field so he can get that solid playing time going forward. If he doesn't get that, if they stick with some sort of safety split, it's just going to end up hurting them in large part because they have the linebacking group finally figured out. Damn, agreed. Rounding out the end of the first round here, and we'll probably speed up a little bit in the second round here. But Christian Harris, one of those linebackers that got playing time for the Houston Texans out of that huge group of them, he only played in 12 games, but he actually did pretty well when he was on the field there. If you talk about like the number of tackles that he got, his missed tackle rate was a little bit higher, 11.9%. But again, that whole defense in Houston was just abominable against the run. And there were a lot of plays that they gave up for the safeties. 
Harris didn't play in the first five games of the year, but uh, he ended up with 74 combined tackles sack. I think six tackles for a loss, nothing huge. But again, it's one of those opportunity things here. If you're thinking about at the end of the first round, they had a lot of veterans in front of him. And I don't think those are all going to be back, especially with the new coaching staff and all that. They're not bought into him. And they might not be to Christian Harris either, but they invested a third round pick in them, the same front office. They're going to give him an opportunity at some point. And I think the value in the next few years, if he's one of those linebackers, is going to be there for a guy. So I'm not completely sold on him long-term, but I do have a short-term value of him. And he's going to have that opportunity to earn a spot going forward. Yeah, I would agree completely with that. And I think that's where he, why he is where he is. It's going to be a maker. No, I wouldn't say make or break because he's still on a rookie deal. But like year two, you definitely want to see him take that step. And you definitely want to see the Houston Texans look to him to make a spot on the roster and be an anchor on that defense and a constant on that defense for sure. So he's definitely going to have to make some strides. But he played well enough year one where I'm excited to see what he can do in year two. More Christian Harris, less Christian Kirksey going into this next year for the Houston Texans, please. Fair. And we're halfway through here, so thank you everyone who's tuning in. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button that way you can see all the live shows that we have coming up here on rotoheat.com. We're going back. This is the first one of the year and our off-season, live-season schedule. We got the IDP Heat Seekers, Boomer Bus Show. We're going to end up having other new shows, new names. We got Betting Show, all sorts of fun stuff. So make sure you stay tuned in to rotoheat.com's YouTube to see all the videos, and then you can go over to the website to see the articles that we're dropping. A lot of it is rookie prep leading up to this year. You can see our rookie rankings. There's IDP straight rankings. There's IDP mixed with offense. There's a single QB, super flex, all sorts of fun stuff that you can check out over there to help you end up winning your league this coming year. Speaking of a guy that could help their team win more this coming year because he just didn't do anything this year, really. Lewis, and I always pronounce it. I know you have the pronunciation correct. It's seen. Seen, there you go. He is seen by us. Austin, you took him at the start of the second round here. Tell us what you, I mean, there probably isn't a whole lot of a difference, quite frankly, between this year and last year because he didn't play. But for those yeah. that weren't paying attention last year on a Road to Heat YouTube channel, what do you like about Lewis Seen? Still was just one of my favorite players coming out of college and still a guy that, you know, until I, I see otherwise, he didn't get the opportunity that we had hoped for. Obviously, the Vikings had Cameron Bynum and Harrison Smith on their rosters. And Harrison Smith is a fantastic safety. But I'd like to see Seen get more run in his second year. And if he's able to do that, I'd be curious to know how quickly he could rise in these ranks as well. When I compare him to some of the other players that we have below that we're going to talk about, I still like the promise of Seen. And I like, although we didn't get to see much from him in his first year, I still think that there's some preservation in that where there's still hope that in his second year, he can get more playing time and hopefully show up. And for those of you that don't know, he had a compound leg fracture. I think it was in week four of the season for the Vikings. So he really didn't have much time at all. As far as I don't know that he played a snap on defense. He played some special teams. And just remember, he was a guy that they took at the very end of the first round. He was the last pick of the first round. So they obviously saw value and to go up and get him. And also have that extra year of eligibility contract-wise tacked on for him. So not a whole lot to go over for him, but certainly a guy you can probably find on some waiver wires or get cheap just because, you know, fantasy managers often get frustrated if they don't get that first-year production. Yep. Speaking of not a whole lot of first-year production, the same thing goes for my guy here, Nicobe Dean. 
Different reason though, but he was behind a linebacking core that got the job done this year on a really good defense for the Philadelphia Eagles and why I'm taking him here. There's a whole lot of uncertainty with TJ Edwards being a free agent. Is he going to be back? Are they going to bring someone else in? Are they going to give Dean a chance? They still have some other guys on the team there. But when Dean actually got in the field, a lot of time it was in that garbage time. He played awesome for Philadelphia. Now, part of that was because of the defensive line that he was behind another great part of that whole team. But there's a lot of snaps on that defense that are free agents right now, and they're going to have to figure out what they're doing on that Philadelphia team, even just money-wise with the kind of money that Jalen Hurts is going to be demanding. It sounds, you know, that $50 million number gets thrown out per year. We'll have to see if that actually happens. But they drafted Nicobe Dean. I think it was the third round of the draft here last year. So they actually saw value in him. We know he slipped a little bit because of concerns potentially about his health some long-term value there. But in the short term, if he's the guy, I saw a lot of promise from him last year. And I'm excited to see him getting a starting opportunity if he gets one this year. If he does, he could end up being right up there with those other linebackers that we talked about at the start and Quay Walker and Devin Lloyd in terms of value that he's going to be able to provide for defense. What are your thoughts on him? They haven't signed Kaiser White, right? Like he's still, he's not, is he going to be back this year? I'll look that up quick, but I, yeah, I, I think, think he's a free agent too. I think yeah, White I think and Edwards are going to have to. Yeah, I think they're going to have to bring those guys back and having your the two guys you have starting like that's huge for Nicobe Dean if he gets that opportunity to step in and be consistently on the field. That's that's huge, and this Nicobe Dean could be the best value where you drafted him of anybody on this list. And he is a free agent, like you said. Both of those guys really in front yep. of him are just gone. Thought so. so. Next guy you drafted here, again, not a whole lot of production year one, but showed some flashes and another first-round pick on a defense that played better than a lot of people thought they would. Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State went to the New York Jets. How are you feeling about him? I thought that when he did play, he showed a lot of promise. He looked really pretty good to me. Unfortunately, he just didn't get a whole lot of opportunity. So Another guy on this list that you got to hope in year two, he's able to take that big step, be on the field a little bit more, and when he's on the field, be productive. But I thought he looked explosive whenever I watched him play. I thought that he looked, he definitely looked the part. He could still be a very scary pass rusher if he just gets more opportunity. Going into this second year, can he do it? Can he take that next step up? And Or yeah, it's going to be a little discouraging, I'm not going to lie, if he's not able to get that production in year two. I would definitely say year two, I would definitely like to see something from him where he was drafted with the draft capital that he got from the New York Jets. I think that they're going to give him that opportunity. I would be shocked if they didn't. I would be concerned if they didn't, quite frankly. And Carl Lawson, I don't know if he either was or is going to be, but they said he's going to be released and he's one of those guys, the edge player in front of a guy like Jermaine Johnson. So it looks like there may be some opportunity already opening up, which would be great. See what we got and another potential fantasy asset. Next guy uh, did not show up on lists really unless it was potential undrafted free agents to keep an eye on going into the year. And uh, if he did, or if you picked him up once you got an opportunity, be really happy for probably about a good third of the season here. The next guy that we're talking about here is Jack Sanborn, linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Now, if you have a question about who is that, He was a linebacker out of Wisconsin. Like I said, he went undrafted, went to the Chicago Bears. He's on a really cheap contract, which is great 
for the Bears. And you're talking about opportunity. He's a guy that should have an opportunity going forward to try to fill that void left by Roquan Smith. And when he did get a chance to play, like I said, in the middle of the season, weeks nine through 14 or so, that was the majority of the stats that he had, which was 64 tackles, two sacks, five tackles for a loss. If you're thinking that's over, what do we got here? Seven games or so, it's almost 10 tackles a game. The only question that I have about him, I'm not as high as some people in the community over the fact that he is basically free and they're not invested in him. They're able to cut him if he doesn't end up playing up to their level. They bring someone else in that they like more in the draft or free agency as they're rebuilding that team up. That said, I think he's going to get a chance because he is free and they don't have to invest a whole lot of money there with what he showed. He actually graded out really well through PFF last year too when he was on the field for him. And he's a guy that if you got him for free, you're just hanging on to him, praying for that continued production. Yeah, 100%. Jack Sanborn very well could have done exactly what Malcolm Rodriguez did if he just had more opportunity early on in the season. He's, he's a sort of a product of a defense that it was without a linebacker this year and he stepped up in a big way, he played well when he was on the field. And again, it goes back to the same thing with Malcolm Rodriguez. Neither team's really super invested in him. He didn't get a whole lot of, of investment on his draft capital. And then the other thing is if they bring in somebody, could he be challenged and pushed for his job? And we'll see. I would think he would still have the first crack at it, but we'll see how that goes. And while I'm bringing up our draft board, which appears to have went away by my own hand somehow, you took a Dallas Cowboy before I took a Dallas Cowboy, which isn't necessarily single. A whole lot here, but like your defensive out of... I don't even remember. I'm a bad Cowboys fan, apparently. But how do you feel about Sam Williams going into this next year? I feel really good. I think that Dorrance Armstrong did play really well off the edge. And Dorrance Armstrong, if I'm not mistaken, he'll be back with the Cowboys. Marcus Lawrence is obviously still going to be there. But Sam Williams, when he did play, like he showed out a few times and he was putting offensive linemen in the quarterback's lap. Like this dude, when he comes off the edge, he comes off with so much speed and so much power. It is impressive. Man. He honestly showed more, in my opinion, than what a guy like Jermaine Johnson did. Jermaine Johnson looked pretty good, but like Sam Williams, he really looked like if he had a starting job on that defense, like he is going to be a problem. I love the way that he plays. I think it complements the guys that they have on that defense. Micah Parsons, he plays with so much speed and just like power. And then you got a guy off the edge that's just doing the same thing. That's going to create problems for offensive linemen. That's going to create pr problems for offense who try to game plan against those guys because these guys are just, they are bringing it. So I really liked what I saw from Sam Williams. Again, opportunity is just the only thing that I feel is holding him back. If he's able to get that by way of injury or just by way of honestly playing, I think that he could definitely be a guy who climbs these boards for sure. And the Dale's defense under Dan Quinn really likes to rotate those edge rushers to keep them fresh and make sure they all have that opportunity when they're out there to make sure they can get to the quarterback. Unlimited time, four sacks, 10 tackles for a loss for a rookie. It's a nice season when you have those veterans ahead of them, especially with they had their number one edge rusher, sort of Micah Parsons, just being a force of nature. So great position for Sam Williams to continue to grow in. Next guy I had to throw in here had a season out of nowhere that went... A lot better than people had expected for him. 
guess that's the nature of having it out of nowhere. But Kirby Joseph for the Detroit Lions, I know if Brad is listening, he's going to be pumping his fists all excited about this guy. He was a fifth-round pick out of Illinois and really ended up being thrown into the situation because of what happened to Tracy Walker. But he got quite a bit of playing time throughout the year. He ended up with 82 combined tackles, 55 solos is pretty good, eight pass deflections, and then four interceptions. Boy, he had Aaron Rodgers' number this year. I think he is one of four guys or something they said to have two picks off of Aaron Rodgers. I think it might have been ever. I'm, I'm misquoting that. I apologize. But he picked him up twice in the same game, which is just rare to do off of Aaron Rodgers at all. So he's a baller. He's a guy that knows to make plays and really fits well in that defense. I have questions about whether he's going to be a long-term piece there or not. Tracy Walker currently is still under contract. They've been trying to move other safety pieces around, figure that out. But the defense and the team is coming together. And if we're looking at it now, I think Kirby Joseph is going to have a chance to be a long-term piece there. Yeah, it's interesting, Tracy Walker being there. He's got a decently large salary, although they're not tying money up with their quarterbacks or like running backs or even really receivers like that i feel like the detroit lions are in a really good position with not having to throw a bunch of money at any major superstar like what you see with the eagles but tracy walker they were in that position maybe a guy who we talked about draft capital and what these rookies pay scales are and what they're getting paid in some ways you could see that hurting some guys in some ways you could see that benefiting a guy like joseph who if tracy walker for any reason gets moved that's great for Kirby Joseph. I just don't know with as much money as the Lions have wrapped up in Tracy Walker, if they don't move him, what does that do to Kirby Joseph? Obviously. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens in year two, but he played pretty well in year one. It's only fitting, I think, that you ended up with both of these linebackers for the Jaguars. The next one up here, we have Chad Muma, another guy that we talked a lot about. We were excited to see where he went and then our hopes were dashed a little bit when he ended up going to Jacksonville after that. He took Devin Lloyd and signed Foya Luakon, but at seventh pick of the second round here, Chad Muma, he showed really well when he got opportunities with Devin Lloyd being hurt or out. How do you feel about that situation playing out though long-term with these three linebackers right now and at least this season and next, Foy is going to be there. Muma kind of feels like the third wheel there that doesn't necessarily fit at the moment. Yeah, so the thing with Foyer is he's really good. Like, at what point are the Jags going to have to move on from him? He's on a three-year, he might have three years left on his deal, but that doesn't mean yep. anything to us in the NFL. We know that. So I could see Muma stepping into that role more than I could Devin Lloyd, to be honest with you, more of the, ta- the guy that's just focused on tackling. And Devin Lloyd, I mean, he played a lot in coverage. I could see Chad Mumma being the guy that kind of slides into that foyer role. And like you mentioned, when he got on the field and he got his opportunities, he played pretty well and he looked the part. So he was a guy that we liked, that I personally liked going into the offseason last year. Really disappointed that he went to the Jags. Like, big, major disappointment. I think that if we talked about some of these other guys on the list, Malcolm Rodriguez, the Jack Sanborns, if Mumma goes into any of those situations, I think we're we've got Muma higher on these ranks for sure. So it's all about opportunity with any of these guys. So I would love to see him get more opportunity. I don't know that it'll be year two, maybe a year three, or maybe longer. But I think eventually he's on a low pay scale. Like they're not, they don't have a bunch of money wrapped up into him. If he can just play his part and do what he needs to do, he should see the field and get those opportunities. 
Next guy up here for us, the eighth pick of the second round, a guy like Lewis Seen didn't play a whole lot. Whoop. David Ojabo of the Baltimore Ravens, another edge guy they had taken that had gotten injured. I think it was his Achilles, if I'm not mistaken, that he tore while getting ready for the draft. Mm-hmm. And he ended up falling. It feels like a Willis McGahee situation in that he probably would have gone much higher in the draft if he had not gotten hurt. Not the same injury McGahee had, but both guys had standout players in college, projected to go really high, and then just had really bad injuries with bad timing. I love the team that he's on. That's part of it. And the other pieces that they have around him, if he can regain any of his college form and have the just power and explosiveness combo as an edge player for the Ravens, there's not going to be a whole lot of drop-off with them in terms of the defenses that we've seen over the course of the years. Their offense certainly seems like they may have some big changes on the horizon there, that big Lamar Jackson question going on. But David Ajabo, I think, probably would have been a top 10 pick easily if he had been healthy. And for the Ravens to get him here and just be able to sit him out to let him get healthy, I think big things are on the way for him. And he has the potential to be the steal of our little draft here, I feel, if he can regain that form from college. Brian Cook, you did end up getting a Kansas City Chief. I stole Carl Loftus from you, but you ended up getting Cook here towards the end of the second round. Another guy that didn't have a ton of playing time, but I know you saw a lot of him. What did you like about Brian Cook this year? Obviously, I loved what he did in the playoffs. <laughs> that was really nice. So he played He played really well when we needed him to play well, which was great. But yeah, he's definitely a guy who he had Justin Reed ahead of him, a veteran safety. I really hope he's taking notes and learning from Justin Reed. Justin Reed's a phenomenal player. Juan Thornhill across from Justin Reed. Those are two really pretty good safeties at the NFL level. But as long as Brian Cook is learning and getting on the field and doing those things like I definitely am encouraged by that. They stuck him in the slot. They put him in the box. They used him at free safety when they could. So they really gave him every opportunity they could, despite the fact that Kansas City's defense really had two veterans that they could at the safety position that they could utilize. And encouraged by the fact that Brian Cook got playing time, the team showed that they believed in him. And as long as we're patient with Brian Cook, I think the opportunities will come. And when they do, I'm really hoping that this pick is going to pay off. Running out of the last three picks here, this is a name that a lot of people that just pay attention to the NFL would think, why is he down so far here? But Sauce Gardner, there isn't much to say about him. He was the defensive rookie of the year for the NFL and for good reason. As a cornerback, 75 combined tackles, 51 solo, three tackles for a loss, 20 pass deflections. He led the league in that. And then he had those two interceptions. A couple of those got a lot of notoriety. I think one of them was in Green Bay with the Packers when he stole the Chiefs had and all that in that great game that the Jets had. The whole reason that he's farther down here, there's two reasons for me. One, cornerbacks are really hit and miss in terms of fantasy production. And two, the really elite cornerbacks don't usually end up being as great for fantasy football because they don't get as much attention as far as the ball being thrown to them. You look at Trayvon Diggs for the Cowboys, Two years ago, with that amazing season he had, I told you guys, don't go out overdrafting him. He's not going to repeat that. And he didn't. It's just super hard to rely on guys as far as big plays. Now, in Sauce's corner, he didn't have a ton of interceptions. Like I said, he had two. So is he going to be able to maintain that tackle rate? That's going to be the big question because he is a ball hawk. I feel those interceptions are going to come. This isn't going to be the most he has. Those 20 pass deflections are proof of that to me. It's just, is that tackle rate still going to be there when teams end up shying away from him? Because I do think he has that sort of talent 
He was my number one quarterback in the draft last year and feel pretty good about that now. But Austin, how do you feel about drafting cornerbacks? I feel like he had to go in our draft, but it's just a question of where. Yeah, there's a reason that he's the only cornerback that I see in this draft. And he is phenomenal. You worry about that, like Jalen Ramsey effect. where Everybody knew Sauce Gardner was good and they... Yeah, they tried to test him, and when they tested him, he showed out. Like, he is the real deal, for sure. Elite, um, no doubt about it. So, yeah, can he continue to produce the tackles? That'll be the question, because I agree with you. One knows about Sauce Gardner now. He is the real deal. I don't think anybody's going to be trying to test him and throw his way. I do not recommend that. But he's a ball hog. He, uh, ball hawk. He's going he's gonna to find a way to make plays, find a way to be an asset for that defense, trying to find a way to win games. That's just who he is. I'm encouraged by that, at least, the type of player that he is and his personality. I think that he's going to find a way to be relevant. He's going to find a way for people to be talking about Sauce Gardner. Second to the last pick here, your last pick, Jordan Davis, is a first-round pick, 13th overall by the Philadelphia Eagles. Didn't play a whole lot this year for a high draft pick and a guy that there was a lot of hype entering the season. I think it was about a 42% snap share that was his highest of the year. But he was on a really good defense with a very strong defensive line. And like we said earlier when we were talking about Kobe Dean, there's a lot of pieces that are probably going to be moving on from that defense. Do you feel like Jordan Davis is going to be taking a step forward in terms of playing time this year? Yes, I do. At least I hope so. And I can't think of a better defensive player to be behind your first year and learn from than Fletcher Cox. But you look up and down that defensive line, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and Josh Sweat. Those are four very good players. I think the Philadelphia Eagles defense could see a big turnover. We talked about the linebackers. I'm not sure what the contract situations are with the defensive line. But Fletcher Cox, obviously he's an aging player. One of my favorite players in the NFL to watch he's just phenomenal but eventually it, Jordan Davis is going to step into that and Jordan Davis could be one of those guys like we saw like Quinnen Williams he has that kind of like dominant presence the size the strength the all the things that he brings to the table he could be a productive player like a Quinnen Williams just truly dominant hard to contain he's just too big too strong so when he gets his opportunity Jordan Davis I think will be if defensive line is relevant in your IDP league based on your scoring and format, I think that he's definitely somebody you want to keep on your taxi or keep on your bench and hang on to, and it's going to pay off for you. Just be patient with Jordan Davis. And the last pick of the draft here, Dallas Cowboys, they had to sneak one in here. Damon Clark out of LSU. He's a guy that ended up playing. I didn't think he would, actually when they drafted him because of the spinal issue that he had. And you heard me last year say, I don't mess around with back injuries too much. It seems like he overcame that and ended up being a pretty decent player for the Cowboys down the stretch when they needed him. He had 47 combined tackles across 10 games. He did start five of them. But the way the Cowboys played things last year, Micah Clark. Good to be that time of night here, folks. Micah Parsons was more of an edge guy by default most of the season with how he was used. And Leighton Vander Esch was that main linebacker for the Cowboys. They had brought him back because they needed a guy they could trust in the middle there. And Vander Esch had a great season. He stayed healthy for the most part, which is a big part of it. But I don't necessarily think they're going to be bringing him back. I think they're going to be giving guys like Jabril Cox or Damone Clark an opportunity here. If Clark hadn't gotten hurt, there's I 
don't think there's any way he falls past the second round anyway. The Cowboys got him in the fifth round. And he could be a guy like Van Der Esch that is actually a sort of a true middle linebacker for the team eating up those tackles. So a dart throw based on what we saw, but I really do like the opportunity and what we saw from him this past year. Closing it out, do you have any thoughts on Clark? No, I thought he, he played really well when he did get to play. And one thing I saw that was really impressive was the speed that he plays with. It's exceptional. So I will be curious to see what they do at linebacker. You know, there's been talk about maybe moving on from, am I blanking on the name? Van, Van Der Esch. Yep. Van Der Esch, yeah. And I thought maybe this year they would move on from him. They did not. So maybe they move on from him next year. Maybe they never move on from him. Who knows? They're the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to do what they do. But if DeMar, Damone Clark gets the opportunity, I would definitely, he's a, definitely a guy that you want to have on your taxi, maybe stash and see if it pays off for you. And for those of you keeping along at home here, I'm going to run through this just really quick. We had Devin Lloyd, Aiden Hutchinson, Jalen Petrie, Kayvon Thibodeau, Quay Walker, Traquan Brisker, Trayvon Walker, George Karloftis, Malcolm Rodriguez, Troy Anderson, Kyle Hamilton, and Christian Harris were the first 12. The second round, we had Lewis Seen, Nicobe Dean, Jermaine Johnson, Jack Sanborn, Sam Williams, Kirby Joseph, Chad Muma, David Ojabo, Brian Cook, Sauce Gardner, Jordan Davis, and just heard us, Damone Clark for the Dallas Cowboys to end it. Thank you for watching along with us on this draft. We much appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in, as always, over at Rotor Heat's YouTube, and make sure you check out the website. That's all for our 2022 Rookie IDP Class Redraft. We are going to now tune over to questions quickly because we do have some questions to end the show here. We got a lot of love from the Roto Heat team and stalwarts in the comments, like Jaws always showing up. So thanks for coming back another season, Jaws. He had a first question here. Channing Tindall, dead on arrival. Surprised you didn't get any run in Miami with how mediocre their linebackers covered. He was another guy I know you had some interest in, and uh, he got more playing time. He'd probably be on this list here. But what do you think the issue was? over in Miami with Channing's opportunities, Austin. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't know if this is a schematic. I don't know if it's just a coaching decision. I I was I thought the same thing. Like he was a guy who I thought, oh, wow, hey, I like Channing Tindall. Oh, and by the way, I like his landing spot a lot. And I thought that he could have got an opportunity. And unfortunately, that opportunity just never came. Is he DOA? No, he's not DOA because he should have been on your taxi to begin with or he should have been just way down on your bench depending on how deep your leagues are or on the waiver if you're not in a deep league so he's virtually free right now he's definitely somebody that in this off season you want to keep an eye on you want to follow the reports out of camp and see what people are saying about him what the coaches and what other players are saying about him see if you can catch some clips of him doing some things this year but if you can he's definitely a guy you want to keep an eye on maybe pick up for cheap or if you've got him already just keep him where he's at there's no reason to drop him or move on from him if you've got a spot for him and just see how it works out for you. Yeah, if you look at who's ahead of him, Trump Baker's probably not going anywhere. They really like him there, and he's improved a lot over his time. But then it's like Elandon Roberts, who did a lot better like as a pass rusher, really, than he did any sort of like coverage linebacker or anything like that. And I think it's probably the situation of Miami for a large part of the season, and they were hoping for all season, was a playoff contender, and they generally defer to veterans in those situations unless there's some guy coming in and just totally rocking it out for the team, which Tyndall didn't. But to your point, he, by and large, he probably wasn't a guy that you were hoping 
At least you shouldn't have been hoping to end up being a guy that you're going to be starting on your team. Taxi squad, to your point, is a great spot that he should have been in. So I would just keep him there and see what happens. And even if he does get a little play and starts going, keep him on that taxi squad. Don't bring him up until you have to, until you know he has that spot locked down. Yeah, and I'll just say one last thing about Channing Tindall, too, is that he really, if you look at that depth chart, he's an injury away from having a significant role on the defense. Next question up here is also from Jaws, and it is about two different players, one of whom we talked about a little bit. Frankie Louvu and Sanborn carry their big roles over to next year? Sure hope so. After the season, looks like Jaws traded Drew Tranquil for a 24-second. Brady and Duggar were added to the old Pats fan to seal the deal. So I think you got two different situations here. Frankie is a free agent after next season. So he's got one more year there. New coaching staff is coming in. We know that for Carolina. Sounds like they're changing up that defense to go be more 3-4 based. That uh, defensive coordinator that they got from the Broncos is bringing that over. So... How he's going to fit into that is going to be really interesting. I'd be paying attention to what's going on in camp because you got that double whammy of new defense and new coaching staff. And how that all shakes out, I got questions because they don't have that investment and it's only one more year of him under contract anyway. Sanborn, I think, is a little bit better positioned to end up repeating what he did last year. That opportunity is still going to be there. Free agency in the draft is coming up. But as we're looking at it now, He's got a great shot to be the starting middle linebacker. They've seen what he can do. He was effective when he was on the field and productive, which is the two things that you want for a guy. And he's cheap. So if they're doing well, they're going to keep him on the field. And Louvre is cheap too, but it's a little bit different situation. So they both certainly could. I just have a little bit more of concern about Louvre's situation going forward. Yeah, I think I'd be interesting to see what the Bears do in the draft too because they definitely need help in the front seven. So that's my only reservation with Sanborn. All right. And one more here off the Schneid. Cody from the Roto Heat team. Thanks for joining us tonight and throwing a question in here. Do you see the Beal, the Beals, Bills being able to resign Edmonds? If they don't, who is the linebacker to own there? Bernard or Dodson? And I wasn't completely sure on this, so I had to go look it up. Dodson is a free agent already. So whether or not they bring him back or Edmonds back, is going to be a real question by default. The guy that's left there is Bernard, the rookie from the prior year. Outside of that, do I think Edmonds comes back? I really don't. I think they're going to let him go. I Matt Milano is injured here and there, but he's still a guy that's a leader on that defense. He instills that work ethic that the Bills have. It's just that hardworking, nose to the grindstone, make the play. He's not just a two-dumb thumper or something like that. He can go out and cover too. So I think... Milano's going to take kind of bigger role probably, and then it's Bernard or whoever they end up getting there. But I think Edmonds is going to have enough of a market on the open market that he's going to sign for bigger money somewhere else. How yeah. do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with that. I would I, That was who I was going to say. I would take Bernard over Dotson for sure. And yeah, I mean, if they can't re-sign Edmonds, you would think that they're going to be a good candidate for drafting a linebacker and whoever that is that's somebody you'd probably be pretty interested in, I would expect would probably have a pretty good path to playing time. And depending on money, we all know money is that big question mark, but there's going to be other guys out there as free agents, like Levante David's a free agent. He'd be a nice guy to go there as a veteran that knows how to play. 
Same thing with Bobby Wagner. If he's not looking to get paid because he's been paid when he gets cut from the Rams here, it sounds like you plug him out on that defense. But then you got Von Miller coming back. I mean, they're, the Bills are going to be a contender one way or the other. But if they can get another sort of just top tier linebacker in there somehow, fantasy wise, it's just going to be amazing for us. So thanks for the question yeah. there, Cody. That's going to do it for us. This is episode one of season three of the IDP Heat Seekers on rotoheat.com. You can check us out on YouTube for all of our videos. We got shorts up there daily. We got videos like this fantastic one. We got Dynasty Heat Seekers and we got the betting show. All the stuff that you've come to know and love from the Rotoheat family. And you can check out our written content over at rotoheat.com. Austin, thanks for being on here for another season with me. It's the first episode. Any words for our viewers? No, thank you guys so much just for joining us tonight. Like, we're super excited to have you guys back for season three, of course. Craig, it was just nice to see you and do another show with you again. It's just been way too long. This was refreshing. Going back and looking at those rookies was a lot of fun. And our, we got a lot of shows lined up for you guys that are really going to be a lot of fun, too. We're going to talk, like you said earlier in the show, about all the rookies, 2023 rookies. And you guys just join us again. Bring your questions next week. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to continue to grow the Roto Heat family. And we just appreciate you guys for tuning in for the hour and 10, hour and 15 that we were here. And speaking of continuing to grow over on YouTube, if you're not already subscribed, we are nearing the 5,000 subscriber mark. We're about, I don't know, somewhere around 15 away. And if you're the lucky number 5,000, Brad Menendez will give you a virtual high five. So you can cash that in whenever you see him online. That's very valuable. He just doesn't give those away. So if you're not already subscribed, go over there, get subscribed, get on there. And uh, thank you for tuning in. We will see you guys next week, Monday.